The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonhalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up, but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be a give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. The Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at heathersfreeaudiobook.com and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for stopping by. We're so glad to have you. I'm Heather Wagonhalls, flanked by my producer extraordinaire, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we will help you get your money mind right on today's show with the Keys to Riches Financial Philosophy. So today's key is our second key in our Keys to Riches, and this is Take Action, Make Assessment. Oh, I got it. I was waiting for you, but- I knew I had it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just decided not to wait. Yeah, it's, it's quite, quite all right. <laughs> you were looking show. panicked. It's like your I, show. <laughs> <laughs> but you were looking like <laughs> I was going to hit you like a deer in the headlights. Oh! <laughs> What is it? What is it? So I just said, well, you know, I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on you today. That's good. Unless y'all talk. Next week, though, you better be ready. I'll be ready. Okay. And so our Moolah Award of the Day, PMI. It's not the one to dread every month, or is it? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. PMI? It could be just as bad as PMS, but it has to do with your mortgage, and we're going to talk about that on today's show. And today's money drama has to do with analysis paralysis. So if you remember last week's key, we talked about um, acceptance and affirmation. So that was admitting that there was something to do. So now today we're going to take our first step and go forward. But sometimes we can get hung up in this analysis paralysis. And Hmm. so today's money drama has to do with that. Yeah, I can see that. All right. So moving right along, our moolah word of the day has to do with mortgages, like I mentioned. And it is private mortgage insurance. And it would help if I had the paper, wouldn't it? I don't remember that when I bought my two houses. Well, did you put 20% down? I believe I did. Well, there you go. That's why. Oh, okay. So private mortgage insurance is provided by non-government insurers that protects a lender against loss if the borrower defaults. Many lenders require a borrower to purchase private mortgage insurance if the loan they are taking out is 80% or higher of the value of real estate or what they call loan to value. In most cases, once the borrower has paid back enough of the loan so that it is less than 80% of the value, the borrower is no longer required to purchase this insurance. Private mortgage insurance has the benefits for both the borrower and the lender. The lender is now protected against default, and I'll have to qualify that statement, and the borrower is able to secure a loan with a smaller down payment, also called lender's mortgage insurance. 
So there's a misnomer out there about what PMI does. So if you go with a government loan, depending on the type of government loan you go with, you have an FHA, you have uh, UFMIP, which is upfront mortgage insurance premium, and it's a percentage of the loan, and they whip it into your loan. Okay, so it's it's part of your deal. Mm-hmm. And that's called upfront, so they make you pay it upfront. <clears throat> and then if you go with um, a, a VA loan or um, a USRDA loan, or what they call the farm home loans, right. then you have um, uh, a different thing. And I'm just drawing a blank now on what it's called, but they have their own form of mortgage insurance, um, but it's called something else. And I can't think of what it is because yeah. the term just went like this. Whoosh, Right out of the room. <clears throat> out of my head, out of the room. Get back here. Down the block. It's like your dog running away. Hey. <laughs> so how do you and look, he just keeps running. How do you look that up? You just Yeah, if you just Google it. Okay. Search for it on the internet, you can find it. But what we need to know about private mortgage insurance, it's it's misnomer <laughs> here. So like people will be like, Oh yeah, whatever, I'll file BK, I'll like well make my payment. The PMI will take care of it, right? <clears throat> Thanks for playing. The only thing that PMI covers <laughs> is the difference between what you put down and that 80% loan to value. That's all it does is it shores up that difference so give me an appli- in the event of a default. Give me a practical application. Okay. So let's say you want to buy a house. and $200,000. Okay. So you only have $10,000. Gotcha. Or I'm sorry, you only have $20,000. You don't have 40000 because it would be 40000 Right. For twenty percent, yeah. but you only have twenty thousand. You want to put down ten ten thousand dollars. So based on the amount that you're putting down and the loan to value, they'll be able to look on this little chart and calculate what your PMI rate is. Gotcha. And so then they make that assessment, and then it's in addition to your monthly mortgage payment. And by the way, when they qualify you for your mortgage payment um, in your affordability ratios, this has to be calculated in there in the payment because it can be you know upwards of 70, 80 bucks a month, depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 70, 80 bucks a month might be cheaper than 20 grand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So so that's where you have to evaluate, mm-hmm. is this private mortgage insurance worth the amount that I'm going to spend on it? Because can my 20,000 be making me more money and somewhere it, else? And, and likely it can be. And that's for the life of the loan, 30 years a month. No. Oh. No. See, so that's how PMI works. So because it only covers the distance between what you put down and what you owe um, or or what you put down in 80% of the loan, then um, that's all all you're paying for coverage for. It's not for the whole loan. And that's where what's deceptive about this because people think, oh, I'll be cool if I default, but they won't be. Because in some states, they've overturned homesteading. And if you purposefully default um, or you file like a felonious bankruptcy, and they've kind of gone after people hmm. for defaulting on purpose, you know, um, that what the idea is, is that the mortgage insurance pays down the loan enough so that the lender can go sell that property, fix it up if they need to, pay for the costs associated with the foreclosure process and then selling it and still get out with the 80% or more or whatever that they right. they lent on. So that's the idea behind private mortgage insurance. So it doesn't pay off your whole loan. So in the event of this example that you picked for the 200,000, 40,000 is what you would be required to, to pay. So your PMI 
would only cover $20,000. That's all the lender will be able to claim if you default is 20 grand. And that's to help with the, like I said, the, all of the costs associated with foreclosing, taking back, whatever, you know, selling it. And hopefully they'll make their money back. Hmm. So the reason why they have that is because of what they call flight risk. So the more skin you have in the game, the more dollars you put down, makes the lender more comfortable that you have skin in the game. And you just need to think about it from your own perspective. If you were loaning somebody money, you know, and they wanted to buy something and let's just do easy math. That was like a hundred bucks, right? You, you know, and, and they wanted to borrow 80 bucks or 70 bucks or 60 mm-hmm. bucks. Like you're pretty confident because they're forking out the other half of that, that, that they're going to make good on what they owe you. Mm-hmm. But if it's higher than that 80%, like 90 to 100, like, are they going to pay me back? You know, I don't know. So if somebody says, yeah, I'll I'll cover this amount of money. So in case you have to take it, in case he does default, I'll right. take it back and give you this money and then you can sell it. Right. And get rid of the asset. So that's all it's doing is it's giving the lender a, another layer of comfort when they go to underwrite. And so we think in those terms, yep. in underwriting that's terms. Cool. Yeah. And so you've got four layers of risk, and this has to do with which layer of risk? Do you remember? No. The remember real estate key? No. <laughs> it has to do with capital. Uh-huh. So that's down payment and amount of cash reserves left over. So how much skin do you have in the game? And it, and the lower the skin, you need the insurance to cover that skin. Right. You know, and sometimes it's it's to your benefit. You know, if you look at, let's say you would have to liquidate an investment to come up with that other 20 grand. And let's say mm-hmm. that 20 grand right now is making you 10, 12%. Yeah. You'd be foolish because the the arbitrage of what you would be losing by putting your money into the house, because you don't get that money back until you sell it, right? right? So you might not be paying out 2%, but you're also losing that other 10% that you could be making. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. we have to think in terms of, of foolishness, you know, and so especially for young people, because you've got a long time to live. Your investment horizon is huge. So you'll make that money back. No problem. You totally can make that money back. But we got to think about things logically. People are like, no, I want the peace of mind. I don't want PMI (laughs) because we just think about it as another bill. But if we think about it in terms of how we get rid of that bill, that means more money down. Yeah. Now we're talking, this isn't just a bill like I went out and bought a pair of shoes on credit. So this is different. Now, now being self-employed, I was required to come up with 20. Well, yeah, but that those are different underwriting parameters. I'm talking about people that have been on yeah. the job. Every other layer of risk mm-hmm. is intact. Gotcha. Perfect credit or acceptable credit. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got acceptable debt ratios. They've got acceptable um, uh, value to the house, like it appraised for what, it, what, what you agreed to buy it for, and that you've got time on the job and all of that good stuff. Now, I mean, probably over the past 10 years, job security in the corporate world is basically non-existent. So how does, how did, I mean, you know, you got a great job at GE and you're, you know, you're, you're a VP, whatever, and everything's great. And, and, you know, back 30 years ago, the bank would look at that and say, oh, this guy's perfect. But I mean, do banks look at things differently now? If, you know, even if you have that great corporate job, I mean. Slightly. 
As long as your corporate job stays with the same definition and your status is either a lateral move or a promotion and you're outside of your probationary period, um, you know, uh, I used to do this as a trick question on the remember real estate key and I'll have to remember this again. So the the question is, you know, can you buy a home and have only been on the job three or four months? And the answer is yes. And the reason why is if your previous job, you had the two-year like requirement met um, and you stayed in the same line of work or profession and it was either a lateral move, meaning you're not making less uh, or you're making more and that you're out of any probationary period. So it's not likely you'll be canned. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. usually that's a 90-day window. So if you're at 91 plus... You're in. You're, you're golden. Yeah. So that, you know, because they know that people always are trying to climb the ladder. So you're always trying to better yourself. So mm-hmm. if you can document that sufficient to an underwriter saying, yes, that's all he cares about. He already knows, you know, that when people get a 30-year mortgage, the average person only stays in a home five to seven years. Yeah. So they already know that. And part of that transiency has to do with the fact that people change jobs and they get transferred and yeah. moved around and all of that stuff. And that's Okay. <laughs> You know, I mean, then that's when, you know, when we lose a little bit in one layer of risk, that's where we benefit in others, you know, so like a strong credit history, having like three mortgages we all paid on time before, you know, helps having assets in the bank, stocking your IRA, even though you can't touch it, the money is there, you know, it shows that you have stewardship (laughs) with your money. Mm -hmm. So that's another important thing that underwriters look at. That's why they always ask for so much documentation because you're asking for such a big chunk of money. So they want to be able to feel comfortable because why? And oh, and it plays into what we're going to talk about on this week's key or at least our money drama. So discipline is a conscious activity, but behavior is subconscious. And your credit report reflects what? Discipline or behavior? Behavior. Ding, 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 ding. You are a winner. (laughs) Yay. You get a prize. So yeah, so that's why- Mortgage insurance is effective for folks because it helps cover that little questionable gap, especially when all the other ducks are in a row. Yeah. So, uh, but <laughs> but we need to make sure that we understood it. And that's quite a challenge that some folks have had. So, anyhow. Uh, so, let's move on to our key, shall we? The keys to riches, for those of you joining us for the first time, is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. So, today's key is our second key in our keys to riches. And it is take action, make assessment. And I like to call this our organic key or we're going green because what we're trying to do is we're trying to get an assessment here. And most people will jump right to you gathering a bunch of paperwork and let's take and do a balance sheet. And balance sheets are great because it tells you what you have and what you owe. But That's not what we need to know. If we truly want to transform the way we manage our money, the way we look at and use money as a tool to accomplish our dreams, we can't look at a balance sheet only. We've got to go beyond the balance sheet. And we're going to hit like a ton of alliteration here, but we've got to go beyond Beyond the the balance balance sheet sheet to the behavior. That's great. Isn't it great? So we've got to go beyond the balance sheet to the behavior. And the only way to do that is to be able to assess behavior. But how do we assess something that we now know is subconscious? 
um, how do we assess our behavior? Yes. By looking at data, I guess. Past. How? How? You keep going, keep going. In a what fashion? It starts with an F. It's an F word. F. 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 Uh, financial. For. For. N. Forensically. Oh, forensically. Okay. Right. Because cool. that's what a credit report is. Mm. You know, it's forensic data. It's the after the fact data. Mm-hmm. All right. And so that helps tell. And you can learn a lot about a person by looking at a credit report and not just whether or not they default or have filed BK or anything like that. You can tell a story with your credit if you know how to read a credit report, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. As a certified credit report reviewer, yeah. you know, I was trained by uh, the Institute for Consumer Financial Education on mm-hmm. how to interpret what those things really mean. So what we need to do is create one because here we're going to learn in our seventh key, break the budget, that, that budgets are bad. Budgets are bad. And we're going to learn an alternative to budgeting that's going to be much more effective for you each and every day for the rest of your life. And that's creating a healthy savings and spending plan instead. So what we need to do is identify and assess our behavior. But how do we do that? Because once we make it a conscious activity, then we're going to automatically change. So how do we assess our behavior without assessing our behavior? Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That's what we have to do. So we're going to do what we call an organic assessment. And so what we're going to do for the next six weeks until we get to our seventh key, which is break the budget, where we're going to learn all of this stuff. And I can't I can't go into too much detail because already it's going to just the activity that you're going to have to do for this week's um, key action item is going to raise what you're paying attention to a little bit. Yeah. So all you need to do is get a nine by 12 envelope. And you might need more than one, depending on how big your family is or how active you guys are in making purchases and expenditures. And you are going to stuff this envelope. That's all you're going to do. You're not going to write anything down. You're not going to look at anything. You're not going to analyze anything. What you are going to stick in this envelope are all your statements from credit cards, banks, investments, all this. I'm going to shove all that in there. You're also going to shove in there every single purchase or expenditure you make. You got right. to get a receipt for everything. You must get a receipt for everything. If it's a cash transaction, like you're walking up to the vending machine at work, you need to create your own one by date and time, just yeah. like a regular computerized receipt. So make sure you have a date. Make sure you have the time. This will be a critical factor for sure. us when we do our assessment. And again, I can't tell you about it. I just got to hook you in. Yeah. And you just got to do it and trust me on it. So, so basically, date, time, and how much? You give your kids allowance, date, time, and how much? You're talking about one month worth of stuff. No, we're going a little bit more than one month. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's six weeks. And the reason why we do six is because we behave differently throughout the month and throughout the pay cycles. And so depending on how often you get paid and depending on what and when your bills are due are going to make a difference in this. Sure. Because what we have to examine is the when things go sideways. But we can't examine that unless we know why. And when we get the when and the why, we can create the how. And that's what happens in our break the budget. And that's when the, when all of the big work goes. But we're going to just start our organic assessment. And, and next week, we're going to focus on something different. We're cool. going to st- focus on goal achievement. 
next week. Uh, and the reason why is we want to take our mind off of this because we want to get the most organic look at our behavior that we possibly can. Now, you might become more aware of what you're spending, but don't change anything. This is not a time to go cold turkey, to try to budget. We don't want that because that's not the problem. Anybody can make a budget. It's the sticking to it that's the problem. And so we have to examine what goes on in order to be able to do that. So Mm -hmm. we have to keep this, but we can't be cognizant of what we're doing because it will automatically alter behavior. You'll start trying to please the envelope. (laughs) So we can't do that. But, you know, one of the greatest things about this assessment is that one of the things that I've found over the years that people have told me when they get to the break the budget part, that they don't realize how much money they can save and how much weight they can lose just by making a few behavioral changes. But they had no idea that they were even doing what they were doing. Yeah. But once we could identify what they were doing and and why and how and all that stuff, we were able to create the plan to get out of it. Because what we know about money management and whether it's good or bad has nothing to do with money. Hmm. It all has to do with our subconscious behaviors. And we're going to talk a little bit about that um, in a minute as we get into our money drama today. You are listening to The Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment of today's show is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown with our special offer for Keys to Riches radio listeners. Visit KeysToRiches.com forward slash KeepMyID to enroll and protect your financial future right now. So let's talk about money dramas. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that analysis paralysis is a recurrent money drama for people. So we made a big step last week, if you think about it, all right? And so in our step, what we took was actually coming to terms with the fact that we have problems with money management. Right. Whether or not we've messed up, either we just don't know what to do or what we've been doing isn't working and we can't seem to figure it out. But we did and take that first step. We decided to accept that there's a problem. Now that we've accepted there's a problem, we can move to correct it. We also started reinforcing our self-esteem using our six P's for affirmation process. And if you haven't uh, learned about the six P's, visit our website for our free tutorial on how to make the six six P's. (laughs) The six P's. P's, P's. I know. But P's, porridge, what's that thing? Yeah. Remember from a kid? Yeah, I can't remember that. Yeah. So, uh, peas, porridge, hot, peas, porridge, cold, peas, porridge in the pot, nine days old. Wow. I, I remembered. Remember. Uh, so, the six P's for affirmation success. Please visit our tutorial at keystoriches.com forward slash six. Did I say keystoriches.com? Did I get it right? Yeah. Oh, good. Keystoriches.com forward slash six P's. Yeah, you did it right. <laughs> and that's the letter P S, not P's P S, like <laughs> like the vegetable. world P's. You know, <laughs> have you ever seen? Yeah, world P's, right? You ever see that bumper sticker? No, it's mocking world peace. Yeah, it says world W H I R L E D world peas world peas as opposed to world peas. Anyhow, so analysis paralysis is something that can. Um, uh, all of us can encounter and probably have at some point. So there was actually this study done about choice, you know, and it talks about more is better. Not really. So if you give somebody more than two choices like this or that, if you put in a third choice, 
most people will likely not choose anything. Freak out, yeah. Then to choose one of the three. So more is not better. Either or we can go with. And either or for salespeople is a great closing technique because by choosing one, that means you're moving forward with the transaction or process. So anytime we have more than two options. So imagine all of the choices that you can pursue with managing money better. I mean, this, this world, the world we live in is just has way too many choices. We're overwhelmed with choice. And so what that does is that creates analysis paralysis because how do we know which one it is? And it's all. And and, and what if I pick the uh, wrong one? Yeah. You know, so this leads to what our moneyism is, um, which is even though I've acknowledged I have a problem, you know, and and I've admitted that now I'm stuck because I'm worried about making another mistake because that's all I've done all my life is make mistakes. And so we've got this conditioning we're overcoming with our affirmations, but it's not going to be magic and it can happen overnight. So we've got this overwhelm and it has to do with the way our brain processes information, you know, and um, so we get stuck in this moneyism of if I don't try, I can't fail. But what we forget, like my husband always says, is not making a decision is making a decision and choosing not to go forward and make a change is a choice for staying the same. Mm -hmm. And this has to do with just the way we process information. And this is why we stay in crappy marriages. We allow people to abuse ourselves, our bosses, our spouses, our children, whomever. We just take it and take it and take it. And, and we lay down like doormats and we never fight for ourselves. And part of the reason why has to do with the way the brain processes information. So with your mind, it's very, very computer-like on the logic side. So the only way your brain can evaluate something is once you start making value judgments and assessments. Information is just information. You're the one that consciously says it's good or it's bad, but the brain just holds it as information. And to the brain, even though your current choice, what you know is unpleasant in your mind, an unpleasant known is happy or happier than a potentially pleasant unknown. So things could be better, but our curmudgeon, you know, in our second brain and on a three amigos, of the way we process information says, oh, but remember the last time we took a chance and we made a leap of faith and it didn't work out so good? So then that discourages us from every time from making a leap of faith that could be good because we keep getting hung up in this pattern of change is bad or when we make choice, it ends up terrible. And that has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with whether or not the thing is terrible. Maybe your approach was terrible. So what we have to remember in order to overcome this moneyism is we have to remember the ready, fire, aim principle. And the first person that taught me this was Mac Newton. And then uh, Michael Masterson wrote a whole big book on ready, fire, aim. And it's a really great book. And so when we are ready, so last week we became ready when we made an acceptance. We need to fire, meaning we must take a step forward. And the only way to know if that step forward is good or bad is to take that step. Pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. But once we take that step, if it is bad, we can make a choice to take a step in a different direction, but only after we make that first choice. 
And so it reminds me of all of this stuff that I learned from Tom Hopkins. And I was sharing this with my friend and his daughter when she failed uh, one of her um, tests and she failed it like miserably. And so I said, it's not an F as in fail. It's an F as in feedback. Like perhaps we studied the wrong things or we didn't study enough. So Mm. which one is it? And so we just, it just takes me back to Tom Hopkins. I never see failure as failure. Only the feedback I need to change course and chart a new direction. Great stuff. Yes. So that's what we have to remember is we have to be willing to constantly take action and it won't always be the right action. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, but it takes us in the direction we need to go. And I remember one of my bosses told me, because you know, I was saying, well, what if I screw up? And this is what he said to me. He says, Heather, you have to believe that every decision you make is the right decision because it will take you to the next right decision you can mm-hmm. make. But right. if you don't take that first decision, you can't get to that second one that right. may be the one that really makes a difference. Yeah. Maybe you have to go left in order to know that right is really the way to go. But if you don't go anywhere, how would you know that? Left, right, left, right, I don't know. So yeah. you get caught up in analysis paralysis. So what we need to do is not worry about picking the wrong thing. We need to use the ready, fire, aim principle and just readjust because once we shoot and we hit a target, we know how far we are away from the mark. So now we can make our adjustment and then refire, mm-hmm. take a shot again and get it right. Makes sense. So if uh, you want today's uh, uh, in-depth explanation of the assessment envelope and today's Keys to Riches, visit thekeystoriches.com for your key statement, key affirmation, and key action item of the week. And for in-depth interviews with money experts, strategies, and members-only tools to fix your credit, get out of debt, and have more money and happiness, do what other savvy listeners have and visit our sister site at unlockyourwealthradio.com where you go to get your money mind right so your wealth and happiness will follow. Now, if you haven't already, be sure and sign up for our complimentary introduction to the Keys to Riches video series. Join other listeners just like you and get your money mind right in 12 weeks with the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series. For the Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2015 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com. 